0: To define your faith, all right, everybody get in the mode here, settle in on the couch wherever you are, get in the spiritual mode here. This is a very spiritually deep, thought-provoking, Holy Spirit-illuminating question, and that is this. If you had to define your faith as a food texture, what would it be? If you had to define your faith as a food texture, not a food group, not a food but a food texture. What would it be? Maybe you can throw it in the comments. I don't know. Hopefully you're where you can type, but there's a lot of food textures. You know, I like talking about food. That tells you anything about me. Most of my sermon illustrations involve food, hence the layered cake that we're going to get to later. Maybe the camera can zoom in on that. I hope so, because we're going to be talking about this cake a lot. Uh, this is a layered cake, but I want to talk about food textures for just a second as it relates to your faith. Your faith as a food texture. Jim, what are you talking about? Well, um, there's a lot of food textures. Crummy. Is, would you describe your faith as crummy? I hope not. Uh, meaty. That, I think that's a pretty solid choice. A meaty. My, feet is, my, my faith is meaty. <laughs> my feet is, my feet is uh, meaty. Well, I hope not. Uh, what about starchy? Is your faith starchy? I don't even know what that means, but it sounds fun. Uh, soupy. Let's, let's hope that your faith is not soupy. It's just kind of running all over the place, making a mess. We don't want soupy faith. Uh, jelloey, It's like wiggly. It's unstable. It's unsure. Like it can somewhat conform to the surroundings. We don't want jelloey faith. Uh, stale No, nobody wants mold or mildew on the corners of your faith. So that's not a good one. Bitter like vegetables. We don't necessarily want bitter faith. Um, Although vegetables can be good for you, but bitter and vegetables go together. We don't want moldy. We talked about that. How about brittle? That's like when your faith is just so encrusted and hard, it just refuses to conform. It refuses to uh, observe or listen to others, that would be a brittle faith. Or have, let's talk about some good, you want some good ones? Let's talk about some good ones. What about rich? You want a rich faith? I think, by the way, I think meaty is also another good one. That was like our second one, meaty faith. That means it's like solid. Uh, you can really grab onto it and sink your teeth into that kind of faith. But enough about food textures. Let's talk about what Paul describes in Colossians chapter 2 as a layered faith. That's the food texture we're going after this morning. Layered. A layered faith. It's so important what Paul describes in chapter 2 is that we as believers, who have this revealed mystery living within us, that we develop a layered faith. That we dig deep into the richness of of Christ's wisdom and knowledge. So why don't we stand or wherever you are, you can stay seated. It doesn't matter. But we're going to read Colossians chapter two, verses one through seven together. And then we're going to dig deep into this dessert. Okay. So it's, la- it's a layered cake, by the way. There's lots of layers. Let's count them really quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 layered cake. 13. How many layers does your faith have? All right, let's read. Colossians chapter two, starting in verse one. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face. See, even Paul was dealing with this quarantine situation. He wanted so badly to be at church. He wanted to be with the people at Colossae. He wanted to be in the region known as Laodicea, but he couldn't be there and it was driving him nuts, just like it's driving me nuts and everybody here. We want to be with you guys. Paul is feeling the same type of way. I want to be with you, but I can't. I'm struggling. But just know that I'm passionate about you. I'm emotional for you. And he goes on. Why? Why was it bugging him that he couldn't see him face to face? Because he wanted, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray that you would help us to get into this word. I hope that the word would get into us and that we would begin to understand um, the, the type of faith that we have, that your Holy Spirit, as the revealed mystery, would begin to do his work by illuminating and magnifying what it is that our faith possesses this morning. Holy Spirit, do your work. Reveal to us all the mysteries that you came to illuminate. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. We have an obligation to this revealed mystery that is Christ in us. Let me say that again. We have an obligation to this revealed mystery that is Christ in us. Remember chapter 1, verse 27 the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. We talked about that last week. The Spirit descending on Pentecost, the Spirit indwelling believers, while it was the end goal of Christ coming, it's only the beginning of our spiritual formation. It's only the advent of our faith journey. The Holy Spirit's function in our lives is to take us deeper. In a deeper understanding of the truth found in God and his word, he is the key to the treasure chest. That's why we have as the graphic for this sermon series, a barely open treasure chest. Because the revealer of mysteries, that is the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us, not to just take up residence not to just be our roommate, not to just be somebody that we can lean on during hard times. No, he's come as an illuminator. He's come as another revealer. He's come to take us deeper into the wisdom and the knowledge and the faith that we boldly say that we proclaim. He's the key to the treasure chest. He's the magnifying glass of examination. He's the light of illumination. Church, your faith, is so rich. Your faith is so deep. It's not even possible to unearth all of the mysteries of heaven in one lifetime. So the question today is, have you started at all? It's not possible to reveal all the mysteries of heaven revealed in this book. It's not possible to unearth all the mysteries revealed in the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But have you started how is your faith? The question this morning is, is it layered or lukewarm? I want to sink into seven layers of faith in a sermon I call, The Dessert is in the Digging. The Dessert is in the Digging. All right. So we're just going to take it verse by verse. Verse one, we covered Paul's emotional. He is longing for them that those who he has never met, he wants them to be encouraged in love and understanding by this revealed mystery, which is Christ in us. Even Paul internally is struggling with not being in person with those he ministered to and loved. So verse one points out a very foundational, a very elementary level, a very elementary layer, and that is being knit together in love. It's more than just the physical that we're knit together. See, that was taken from Paul. That was taken from the church of Colossae. They hadn't been face-to-face with Paul. So there was no, there was no physical connection. There was no physical knitting that was taking place. Yet, Paul says confidently that they were knit together, but it wasn't physically this was a layer of love. This is, this is maybe the top layer of this cake. This might be the frosting. That, this is the very shallow layer that our faith introduces to us, being knit together in love. See, Will is my brother in Christ. I love him. Amanda, our worship leader, love her as a sister in Christ. That is the bond of brotherly love. It's a layer, it's a layer to your faith. It's one of the most basic, foundational, elementary layers. But see, this layer of love is supposed to draw us into another level. We were never meant to stay at the shallow, sugary layer of love. Paul says, literally, in verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach. In other words, the whole purpose of this layer of love, the whole purpose for the frosting on this cake, baby, is to draw me deeper. I want to get through the sugar into the the flour, like the bready part. That's like more substantive than this, the sugary, shallow frosting. There's a reason why cake isn't the top layer and frosting is just the dense six inches underneath. No frosting's on top. It's nice. It kind, of, it kind of pulls you in, right? This layer of love pulls us in. We have a brotherly knit together. We're, we're connected. Even if we're not physically connected like you and me are this morning because of COVID-19, we're still knit together in a common bond of brotherly love, but that should draw us deeper. Verse two says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Paul alludes to the layered and deep riches found in this mystery. He was not content for the church of Colossae to have a shallow understanding of their faith. He desired that their love for each other would pull them to uncover their faith's full power and potential and richness. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that we live in a generation that is content to stay in the shallow layers of love. I'm worried that this generation... The reason why we're so panic-driven, we're so chaos-oriented, we're so fearful because of this plague, this pandemic, this COVID-19, I wonder if that's because we've just been living off the sugary frosting of love. I wonder if it's because we've never moved our faith deeper. I wonder if we're content to dwell on the top layer of frosting, all the while skipping the goodness underneath, and I'm not even a cake person. I'm not even a cake dude, but I can tell you if you're just licking the frosting off the top of this cake and you're not digging deep into the 13 layers beneath, you're missing out. You're missing out. Paul's saying, church, you're missing out if you're settling for a layer of love. Your faith, yes, we're all knit. We all have a common bond of the layer of love, but we've got to go deeper. I'm worried that our generation is content with the shallow frosting, the shallow understanding of the mystery of Christ. Love is only the top layer. Revelation speaks. I want to draw your attention quickly back to verse one and two, where Paul says, I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face. Why does he bring up this this place, this region known as Laodicea? Laodicea was happened to be the, the region where Colossae was a city at. I don't know if you are familiar with the seven letters written to the different churches in Revelation by the Apostle John, but he has, excuse me, I'm sorry. I dug into the cake a little bit, but um, John has some not so great words for the church at Laodicea. Did you know that? let's read it quickly. It's going to be on your screen. I'm going to read it because I can't see screens. Actually, I can't see screens. Yes. I didn't realize that. I can see screens back here. Uh, This is Revelation chapter one, verses four, Revelation, excuse me, Revelation three, 14 through 17. This is the apostle John, not Paul, but he's writing to the same group of people. And he's saying something about the church of Laodicea. He's saying something about the people that were known in this region as Colossian believers. And he's saying, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot so because you are lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Sounds like somebody bloated up with sugar. Not realizing that you are wretched and, I don't even know that word, and poor and blind and naked. Pitiable? Never heard of that word before. I think it's a root word of pity, maybe. Like they deserve pity because of how shallow and sugary they are. Paul is saying, I need you to go deeper. Is my faith, based upon what we just read in Revelation 3, is my faith layered or lukewarm? I wonder how many of us are neither hot nor cold, so that the angel of this church of Laodicea would say, I'd, I'd rather just spit you out of my mouth. If you're going to be cold, then be cold. If you're going to be hot, be hot. But don't be in some sugary pleasure land of the middle. That's not deep. It's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. There's nothing to it. It's just a layer of love. Love is great. I love singing about God's love. I love preaching about God's love, but love always moves us to action. Love is never enough to stay. And so I I feel bad for those of us. I feel bad for this generation. I feel bad for those of us who are who are family members of decided church, who have never taken our faith to the next layer. And obviously it's the layer of learning because Paul says in verse two, that this love should draw us to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Sounds like a lot of learning needs to be done. If you're feeling shallow if you're feeling bloated this morning because you've just been living off a diet of of sugar, of love, you need to apply yourself to a deeper level of faith, a deeper layer of faith, which is learning. And here's why it matters. We're going to get to verse three. Here's why it matters. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm going to reread the verse, but I'm going to leave a word out. I want you to shout it out on Facebook if you know what word I'm leaving out. In Christ are hid the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hid the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's not what the Bible says. The word says in verse three, in whom in Christ are hidden all, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let me ask you a very elementary, basic question, and I'm not insulting your intelligence, but I want to point it out because so many believers, I think, are confused by this. If Christ possesses all of wisdom and knowledge, how much wisdom and knowledge can be found outside of Christ? How much wisdom, how much understanding, how much knowledge can be gained by searching after science or history or mathematics or numbers or theories or laws or, or all the different doctrines that you may espouse to in your faith if you're not rooted, if you're not sourced by Christ? If that's not your ultimate treasure of wisdom and knowledge, then can I propose to you that you are searching in all the wrong places? You can turn to science, but guess what? Where science speaks truth, it only speaks the truth of the word of God. You can turn to history, but where history relates to truth, it relates to the truth of the mystery revealed in the word of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. You can turn to mathematics, but where numbers tell the true story, they only reveal what's true about God. You can turn to different laws and theories or whatever you're into, philosophies, but if those things do not point back to the truth, the only truth that they have to offer is the original truth found in the wisdom and the knowledge that's in Christ. There is no truth. There is no wisdom. There is no knowledge, church, outside of the person of Christ. And guess what? if all of the wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ and all of who Christ is dwells within, then the truth can be found within. Then the truth can be found by the Holy Spirit illuminating and magnifying the treasure of all that he is, all that his word speaks to us in conjunction with that. Guys, this is a rich, layered faith. Hey, can I say something? The dessert is in the digging. The dessert is what draws you deeper, but we have to keep going. There's no such thing as my truth or your truth. There is the truth and nothing but the truth found in who Jesus is and his word. Verse two, we read the word reach. And in verse three, we read the word hidden. Why do we have all of these words about reaching all these riches? And then in verse 3, he backs that up with, and whom are hidden. So why is it, why is Paul kind of describing in his language this this mysterious type of, well, you got to reach for it, it's hidden, Um, you got to search for it. And I want to explain that really quickly if I might, and, and the way to do that, why, why is this wisdom, why is this knowledge so elusive? I want to talk to you about Philippians 2, verse 12 really quickly, and then we're going to cross-reference that with, Eph- with Ephesians 2.10. Uh, very quickly, Philippians 2.12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much, much more in my absence, what are the next two words? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's go to Ephesians 2.10. For we are created, we are as workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can I propose something to you? Both of these verses, in conjunction with Colossians 2, challenge us to work out our own salvation. God didn't make knowing him hard, so few would find it. No, it's difficult by nature because of all that he is and does. It's rich, it's extravagant, it's layered, it's deep. No, the fact of the matter is, church believer, if you're out there watching, you should take encouragement in the fact that your faith, the message that you proclaim saves you, is not shallow. In fact, it is layered, it is deep, it is rich, it is extravagant, and it takes work to uncover all the mysteries that are within. Actually, you should be so glad that your faith this morning isn't just um, the alpha, ABC 1, 2, 3. No, you have a faith that does take work. You have a faith that does take digging. You have a faith that is multi-layered here. That, yeah, you you can be drawn in by the sugary layer of love, but then you apply learning. And guess what the next layer is found in verse 3? The layer of wisdom. And guess what? If we take it another layer, guess what verse 4 represents? There's a whole nother layer because knowledge applied is wisdom and wisdom applied is discernment. So guess what the next layer to your faith is? Yeah, you're drawn in by love. And then you start learning about your faith. You get get a little bit confident in your faith. You know why you believe what you believe. You know you can defend your faith. You know why you're saved. And then you start learning all this wisdom. And then the next layer is discernment. So love draws you into learning. Learning draws you into wisdom. Wisdom draws you into discernment. Do you see the rich layers of your faith? Where are you? How is your faith doing? Is it layered or is it lukewarm? Have you begun digging at all? The treasures are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. Matthew Henry says that in his commentary on this passage. The treasures are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. It's not meant to be a game. It's not meant to be elusive, but what it is, is deep by nature. It just is because our God is deep. Our faith is layered. By the way, if you want a little contextual nugget of truth, hit the, Paul also uses the word hidden as a direct blow to the Gnostic teaching that knowledge was only for the elite and stored away in scrolls and philosophical teaching. Paul says all wisdom is only hidden in Christ. If you're not searching there, then you won't find any. Let me say that again. If you're not searching there, if you're not searching here as the Holy Spirit, the mystery that's revealed, if you're not using the Holy Spirit to illuminate and examine the scriptures, if you're not searching here, for wisdom, if you're not searching here for knowledge, you won't find any. Again, nature, science, history, mathematics, laws, philosophy, all the truth that those different spectrums of our our life have to present are founded and sourced in the wisdom that is found in Christ. Nothing but. Verse 4. Now we're starting to see the point of digging deep is to withstand the storms and the winds of plausibility. Let's read it together. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Okay, so after the layer of wisdom comes this layer of discernment. We started with love. We moved to learning. We moved into wisdom. Now we're moving into discernment. Guys, it just keeps getting better. Plausible, the winds and the storms of plausibility. See the application. I said this already once, but I guess I'll say it again because it's actually here. The application of knowledge is wisdom, and the application of wisdom is discernment. These plausible arguments that Paul is referring to, in this region known as Laodicea, in this town which is known as Colossae, in the whole area which is known as Asia Minor, there were false teachers. There were wolves in sheep's clothing. And they had these plausible, deceitful, enticing arguments that tickled the ear. Read about that in Timothy. They had these deceitful, enticing arguments that tickled the ear. And the the part of this that I want to make sure you get is that they were reasonable, plausible arguments. That means that they sound good on a surface level. And if you're on the surface of your faith, you're going to eat it up. On the surface level, all of these arguments and teachings, asceticism, like we've been talking about, Gnosticism that we introduced today, all of these teachings sounded right. They sounded good. They sounded like they were cohesive with the gospel message Paul brought in, but they were not. But you would never know that if you hadn't moved into the layers of your faith. You wouldn't know. You would just swallow it whole with the sugar. The love. Oh, well, I love, that's a brother in Christ. I love him. Of course, what he has to say is good. Oh, this sister came and introduced this thought into the church. I love her. It must be good. I, I believe in her. You see why love is just so shallow and so sugary. We got to go deeper. The level of discernment is where we're at. He's, he's drawing he's drawing the Colossians deeper into this. And, and the dessert, guys, the dessert of your relationship with Christ, the dessert of having the Holy Spirit living within you, the dessert is in the digging. The farther, the deeper you go, the sweeter it gets. But that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me show you Romans 16, 18. Romans chapter 16, verse 18. I wanna just cross-reference for a minute why Paul tells this church and Paul also tells the Roman church about these deceitful messages, these plausible doctrines. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, verse 18 is so key, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Now catch this, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Romans 16, 17, 18. Remember that, it's easy. Three numbers that go together in consecutive order. Romans 16, 17, verse, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Watch out for the people who presents smooth talk, flattery messages, teachings that sound good, they sound cohesive, but like Paul said in Romans, if you're naive, you're gonna fall for it. What are the messages we're talking about? We mentioned asceticism. By the way, that's the same thing that we know in 2020 as poverty gospel, poverty theology. Asceticism, we talked about it already. It's this idea that minimalism and self-denial is the holiest and highest level of faith. Sounds good. Let me just sell all my goods and just go be a missionary underground in a hut. I'm um, not going to name any names. Zip your lips, Jim. All right. <laughs> Asceticism. It's the same thing as poverty gospel. It's this minimalism, self-denial, um, sell all and live like a, a monk, type, type of thing. Uh, we also mention Gnosticism. You know what that is? It's escape. It's escape from the world through access to exclusive knowledge which is why Paul used the word in verse three, hidden. He's like, oh, you want to talk about hidden knowledge? I'll give you some hidden knowledge. It's found in Jesus. And if you're not looking there, you're never going to escape this world, baby. Uh, So Gnosticism, asceticism. Okay, let's bring it modern day. What are some reasonable doctrines that have corrupted the shallow church, the shallow believer for centuries, the naive believer for centuries? These these plausible doctrines, these plausible arguments that sound good. How about theistic evolution? God started or directed the steps of the evolutionary process. Check yourself. Prosperity gospel, that's one. Financial blessings and physical health are God's will for everyone. Have you heard that before? Have you bought into that layer of sugar? How about lordship salvation? Jesus isn't savior until he's Lord. Check yourself. How about legalism? This is also known as works-based salvation. This This is the teaching that Jesus saves in addition to keeping his laws and commandments. How about losing your salvation? There's no technical term for this doctrine. I just call it losing your salvation. I guess you could call it eternal insecurity. I'm not sure. Um, But this is the idea the teaching that an unrepentant lifestyle cancels out your acceptance with God. How about moral relativism? Will, Will, this is his favorite. He likes to say those two words, moral, the shallow waters of moral relativism. This teaching is that truth and error are, be, are to be determined by one's own conscience. Truth and error determined by your own conscience and your own ethics. That's moral relativism. How about Calvinism? Jesus died for and saves the select few he chose to be predestined. That's a lot. Those are a lot of plausible, reasonable doctrines that all present some type of very thin, very thin layer of truth, but then they mix in a whole lot of error and the whole thing's error. Theistic evolution, Gnosticism, prosperity gospel, lordship salvation, asceticism, or poverty gospel, legalism, losing your salvation, moral relativism, Calvinism. These are the doctrines. These are the plausible arguments referred to in verse four that Paul says, if you're not careful, if you're not digging into the desert of your faith, you're gonna fall for these. We gotta keep going. Verse five, for though I am absent in body, Yet am I with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. This would slip by if you weren't studying the Greek language, but the word order and the word firmness are both warfare terms, military terms in the Greek language, commonly used for passages talking about battle. So what Paul is saying is that he absolutely 100% believes that these plausible doctrines, these these, uh, tickling of the ear arguments was actually a spiritual attack. It was a spiritual battle for their minds. It was a spiritual battle for their souls. So Paul's saying, I'm rejoicing to see your good order and your firmness of your faith in Christ. So the Colossian believers had something going for them. In some aspects, they were living off of the sugary layer of love and they needed to move past into learning, into wisdom, into discernment. And, and Paul's alluding to the fact that they actually had some firmness and some, and some gumption, some meatiness to their faith. But he challenges them. He says, look, you're onto something, but you got to go deeper. You got to go deeper. You got to go deeper because the desert of your faith is in the digging. Okay? So we're now seeing the point of this digging deep is to withstand the storms, the winds of plausibility. So, the layer of discernment is foundational. Think about Matthew 7. We have the two houses, one built on the sand, one built on the rock. The storms come, the winds come, the rain comes down. Which house is left? You know the story in Matthew 7. The man who built his house on the rock was left standing firm. Why? Because he had planted, he had built his foundation on a solid, solid ground. Paul is saying, when the winds of plausible arguments come blowing by, if you're just on the sand, if you're just living on that frosting, you're going to be gone. If you're digging deep into the layers of your faith, digging deep, you're going to be able to withstand the storms and the winds of plausibility. Verse 6, "'Therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him.'" accepting and realizing the mystery of Christ in us is only the beginning. Now it's time to walk it out, put on those new shoes and try it out. Remember uh, week, whatever, when we talked about those new shoes, this is the second time it's ironic that I preached that message with, with talking about the new shoes. And then we have the word walk again in chapter two, verse six. Walk it out. Now it's time to walk it out. Put on those new shoes and try it out. How foolish it would it have been for me to, to you know, get fitted for those shoes and, and have them analyze my, my running pattern and for me to take them home and just put them on around the house and just look in the mirror at my new kicks, but never actually go for a run. Some of us in our faith, we've accepted Christ. We have allowed him to wreck our story and grab us and save us and redeem us. And it's new and it's wonderful and it's sugary and it's awesome. And we feel like we're just floating in a in a bathtub full of marshmallows because God saved us and we're changed and we're different. And we're just feeling so light and airy, but we never actually put our faith to work. We never start digging. The Holy Spirit is living in there. He's He's urging, he's passionately pleading for you to start digging. He wants to illuminate scripture. He wants to bring context to your life. He wants to speak truth in learning and wisdom and discernment into your life. But you got to start digging. You actually got to wear the new off of your salvation. You got to wear the new off. You got to wear the new off. Some of us in this generation, I feel like some of us are so addicted to new. We're so addicted to the shiny. We're so addicted for uh, the instant gratification, the new thing, the next thing, that we never apply ourselves to one thing. And Paul's saying, look, you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Work it out, step by step. How many of us, like me, we get the itch for something new all the time? I wish my prayer for you and for me is that we would channel that itch into digging into, guess what, new layers of our faith. There's a whole lot of new here. Paul is saying there's a whole lot of new. There's a whole lot of new layers here. Start digging. You got the itch for new? Good channel that into digging deeper into your faith. You can learn all kinds of new things. Let me just shout them out. If you're writing and taking notes, just jot these verses down really quick because we're not going to spend time on any of them. But you want to talk about new? The Bible has a lot to say about new in regards to your faith. Psalm 40, verse three, he put a new song in my mouth. How's your worship life? Psalm 98, 1, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Lamentations three, 22 and 23, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Ezekiel 11, 19, a new spirit I will put within them. Romans six, four, we too might walk in newness of life. Second Corinthians five, 17, the oldest passed away. Behold, the new has come. Ephesians four, 23 and 24, be renewed renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. Revelation 21.5, behold, I'm making all things new. You know what this layer is? Functionality. At some point, your faith needs to function for you. Yes to love. Yes to learning. Yes to wisdom. Yes to discernment. And then you get to use it when you've gotten this far into the layers of your faith, it starts to function for you. It's like, whoa, I can actually use, I can actually have a conversation with somebody and share my faith and know how to talk to them because I have the wisdom and knowledge. I have the discernment so I know if they're piping off something that's way off kilter. And then I have this layer of functionality. So I'm not only benefiting them, but in arguing my faith, I'm benefiting me because I'm defending my faith. I'm building myself up, which is verse seven, the layer layer of functionality is where it gets good. And verse seven says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. So the deeper you go, the deeper you go, the deeper you go, the higher you grow. The deeper you go, the higher you grow. Let me ask you a question. What huge tree do you know of that has the root system of a pansy? I guarantee you, if you've got some huge live oak, some huge pine tree in your yard, guess what? Scientists tell us, based upon the truth found in God's word, that the root system is actually equal to the size of the growth to above the ground. Did you know that? So if you've got a live oak and you see all these branches and all these leaves... The, the the magnitude, the sheer size of what you see above ground is exactly duplicated, mirror imaged underneath the ground. So the deeper you go, the higher you grow. It's, it works for your faith. It worked, the dessert is in the digging. I don't know anybody who here who wants a useless, placid vanilla faith. The whole reason you bought into this whole Jesus thing was so that he would change your life, so that you could begin to use your faith that comes through the love, the learning, the wisdom, the discernment, the functionality. Guess what? The deeper you grow, the higher. Uh, I already said that. Just the root system is the most important part of the tree. The foundation of the house is the most important part. The anchor to the ship is the most important. So whatever lies beneath the surface of your faith is the most important. And hear me, because this may be the most encouraging thing I say all day. Establishing your faith takes time. It does take time. A live oak never got that big overnight, and neither will your faith. So that's why I'm asking, what layer are you at? That's why I'm asking, have you even started digging? Because it's going to take a while. Establishing your faith takes time. Guess what it takes? Reading and studying is necessary. Questions and doubts are necessary. Guess what else is necessary? Community and fellowship is necessary. But maybe the most necessary thing is being under the teaching of the word of God. That's why it says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were what? Taught. The most important aspect of digging deep into your faith, the, most, the, the, the best way to get to the dessert part, to the desert being in the digging, is being in a place and a space where the word of God is being taught to you so that you can actually form a solid root system, a solid foundation, a solid level of faith here underneath the surface. Being in a space where the teaching of the word of God is paramount. Next year in 2021, I will have been walking with God for 30 years. It seems crazy because I'll only be 35, which you can do the math and determine when I accepted Christ as my savior. But for 30 years, I've been walking with God, never got it perfect, never gotten it right, applied myself to a lot of learning, a lot of wisdom, discernment, functionality. But guess what? I'm here to tell you. Do I read my Bible every single day? Don't skip a day? Never have missed a day? No. No, I have definitely skipped days. But I'll tell you the layer the layer of dessert that I'm at is when I do skip a day, I hate it. I don't hate myself. I'm not guilt ridden but I feel like I've missed out on dessert. Are you at the part of your spiritual faith where when you don't have time, where you don't get to commune with God, it's like, man, I missed out on my chocolate today. I missed out on my like bougie coffee drink. I need, I'm addicted to that dessert. Like I need, why didn't I just set aside five or 10 or 15 minutes where I could get along with God and dig into his word and use this Holy Ghost that was given to me through Pentecost to illuminate and examine and start digging into the layers of my faith. I feel like I missed out on dessert. And that's because you're at the layer of your faith where it gets good. The deeper you go, the longer you go, the sweeter it grows. Can I say that for somebody on the live? The longer you go, the sweeter it grows. Guess what? Verse 7 is talking about this layer of stability and maturity. Read it again. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of faith. When I read those words, I picture a live oak that's as deep as the friggin' ocean and that says above ground, that says beautiful and broad as a tree can ever get, like rooted and built, like tornadoes. I laugh in the face of tornadoes. Hurricanes, cyclones, you can blow any type of wind across my path. This live oak is just gonna stand firm for centuries and ages because it's at a level of faith where it's gotten so sweet. It's gotten so good. And you don't know that level until you spend time with God walking and digging by illumination of the Holy Spirit. Jeremy's standing up, so I know I need to be finished, I think. No, that's Matthew. Okay, so the level, the layer of stability, and maturity is coming. That's what I'm trying to say. The layer of stability and maturity is coming. You can see it in the distance. Don't give up. Don't stop digging. Don't stop digging. It's coming. Don't give up. It does get sweet. I know right now when you skip a day, you're like, ah, whatever. Or maybe you skip a day and it's like, Um, like I just have this guilt. I have just this like shame, like like I've messed up and God is mad at me. That means you're shallow in your faith. Keep digging. You'll eventually move past that and you're the one that's gonna feel like you've been missing out, not God. So keep digging to the layers of stability, maturity. And then the last layer, guys, the last layer is so sweet. The layer of gratitude, layer of gratitude. Thankfulness, listen, listen, hear this, hear this. Thankfulness centers the wandering heart. Thankfulness centers the wandering heart. If you feel like you've been wandering, if you feel drifting, if you feel blown about with the winds of change, the winds of plausible arguments, realize that you're going to get to a point in your faith. See, the dessert is in the digging. The deeper you go, the sweeter it gets. And you're going to get down to this bedrock This crusty, crusty part at the bottom, that's the best, and that's gratitude. That's thankfulness. That's like full, full, full full-blown, full-fledged satisfaction. And I know I'm making you have all kinds of terrible thoughts about your diet right now. And you're gonna wanna run out from this live and go grab the biggest, thickest, most layered piece of chocolate cake. And I endorse that (laughs) because it'll teach you about your faith. The dessert is in the digging. The layer of gratitude is the sweet spot. And that's all I have for you, church. Abounding, verse seven says, abounding in thanksgiving. See, I don't know. I don't know what your faith journey has been. I don't know who, or what brought you to the Lord? I don't know what circumstances you were in. I don't know what church background you came from. But until you can face the music, I missed. I'm just realizing that I missed so many great verses in my in my uh, message. It's okay. Um, but until you can realize and be grateful, because the passage says, um, "Rooted and built up, established in the faith, as you were taught." abounding in thanksgiving. See, the thanksgiving and the gratitude needs to be for not only where you are spiritually, but also for who brought you there. And I know a lot of Christians who are suffering from church hurt, who are suffering from this idea of, well, whoever brought me to the Lord, yeah, but they did it wrong. Or there's so much, I feel like there's so much baggage associated with maybe your church upbringing, maybe your family background, even the one who may have been used to bring you to the Lord. And I'm saying you can find gratitude in that. It may have been the wrong circumstances, but none of us are perfect. It may have been a dysfunctional church environment. No church is perfect. You need to dig down to the crusty layer of gratitude and thankfulness and realize no matter who or what, or where you were brought to the Lord, you were brought to the Lord. Be grateful for that. Be grateful for your faith. That's a sweet spot. That's a really sweet spot. Let's pray, Jesus. I wanna, with every head bowed and every eye closed, wherever you are, I just wanna ask a question Where are you? Where are you in your faith? What layer are you at? I feel so burdened for this generation that's living off of that top frosting, that layer of sugar. Have you dug deeper? Maybe you're at a, a level of learning and you really wanna start digging deeper into the wisdom because you wanna be able to discern truth from air. Keep digging, you're almost there. Maybe you're at the level of discernment and you feel like you have a good grasp on truth and air. You feel like you have a good grasp on discernment. And now you really need your faith to work for you. You want some functionality. Keep digging. You're almost there. Maybe you're at the level of functionality. You're there. It's functioning for you. And you're really at the point of your life where you want to start mentoring somebody. You want to start sharing your experience. You want to start digging into that layer of stability and maturity like that big live oak tree. I'm here to tell you, keep digging. You're almost there. The dessert is in the digging. Maybe you're there at the level of stability and maturity and you're grown in your live oak, but you have never forgiven that person in your past. You have never dealt with with that issue of gratitude for the church upbringing you had or maybe the person that brought you to Christ and then ditched you or maybe a hurtful parent or hurtful marriage, a hurtful situation in your past. I'm telling you, keep digging. You're almost there. You're almost at the sweet spot, the layer of gratitude. Thankfulness centers the wandering heart. Church, I'm trying to tell you that your faith is so rich, it's so deep, it's so full, it's so extravagant. We can never unearth all there is to learn about the mysteries of heaven, but we have been given a gift. We have been given a mystery. What's been revealed to us is that the Holy Spirit, the very form and essence of God, has chosen to dwell in us through the miracle of Pentecost. And he's saying, use me as a shovel. Use me as your light. Use me as the key to unlock. Use me as the magnifying glass to examine. There is so much to your faith, and I'm here to guide you all the way through to the bottom of it. Jesus, God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the layers of our faith. Thank you for this gift. I thank you that we have to work for it. I'm grateful today that it's not shallow, that it's not just fluffy and sugary all the time. I'm thankful that I have to work for it and that I have to apply myself. Teach this church in order to withstand the winds and the plausible doctrines, the pandemics, the COVIDs, whatever it is that blows across their path, that if they would just dig, they wouldn't be moved. The desert of our faith is in the digging. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for this teaching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.